You're listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday afternoon. And this afternoon, we're chatting with whiskey expert John Rhodes once again about whiskey as an investment. Welcome back on the program, John. It's great to speak to you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, still, you know, skipping along, enjoying the slightly less lockdown than we had before. Yeah, well, let's hope this continues. The, the, the numbers are looking well. I think the pre- preliminary numbers are at 10 today, so let's keep the momentum going. I think there were fears of a fifth wave, but hopefully we, we that the worst is behind us, I hope. Of course, I'm not a coronavirus. Uh, yeah, but... certainly. I mean, everyone's just fed up with it, right? I mean, we are. I think we're better off than other places, like compared to, say, Ireland or UK, you know, um, places like that. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's still a pain. Um, and my nephew's in quarantine as well. So uh, he, he sent pictures of him uh, sitting in a quarantine, government quarantine unit in Lantau. And I swear they're getting the same food as prisoners. I mean, it's just every meal looks the same. It's like, oh, you, you don't want to be in that. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures. Um, they, they, they don't look as appetizing, but I'm sure they're nourishing nonetheless. There's always meat and veg and some rice. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> technically, I think that's what it is. <laughs> right. So on to whiskey. Hopefully, maybe he has some whiskey to keep him company. Um, let's, I mean, we've talked about whiskey for so many years on, on the program now. And thank you for sharing your, very generously sharing your expertise with our listeners um, all the time, you know, from whiskey pairing to, to, to whiskey with, with different seasons. But there's one topic that we've really never touched upon, and that is whiskey as an investment. And, and we, we, you know, we, we should actually put out there, you know, this is not a program where we give out advice or anything. It really is just your sharing from your years yeah. being in the industry. So I, I don't want anybody to sort of come along and, and sue us. <laughs> or, or, no, no, you're, you're not going to get any uh, specific advice and, or uh, recommendations or anything like that. Definitely not that kind of thing uh, today. Um, but as you say, it's, I mean, ever since we've opened the uh, doors in our first shop, we've seen whiskey just go up in price. Um, and that's just your average drinking whiskey. Yeah. Um, and it just it follows on this sort of wave of, of whiskey around the world where people are really uh-huh. picking it up. And uh, the prices are irritatingly, they're on sort of an escalator that I think maybe it's slightly peaking out now. I hope it is, but it's just constantly been going up and up. Um, but it's also now picked up. Obviously, you know, you see a lot of it around um and maybe it's the various sort of Facebook algorithms that push these things in my way, but you get these adverts up like invest in whiskey, invest in whiskey, and, and various people do that all around. Um, you know, there's offices in Hong Kong, there's there's offices in Singapore, there's people doing it direct from UK, they're based in Taiwan, wherever. Um, so there's lots of them around. Um, but it's, it's just interesting where they're putting it absolutely as an investment. And we do get... Customers coming into the shop, they don't buy the whiskey to drink it. They buy it because they're just going to keep it. Wow. Um, they might keep it for five or ten years. I mean, we, you know, the kind of stuff we do is mostly drinkable, but we do have some collector's items as well. Um, and especially now, there's a big thing about people pushing and selling casks of whiskey. So it's, it is a very sort of safe, I suppose, um investment but like any investment and i have to put in this little uh this little caveat that uh you know things go up and down but whiskey is fairly safe 
Um, one of the things with it is the rarer the whiskey, the more collectible and investable it is, generally as a rule of thumb. Um, so, you know, you'd be looking for something. If you're really looking at doing anything like whiskey investment, what you really want to be doing is homework. It's just like anything else. Um, but it's outperformed fine wines. It's outperformed stamps, coins, everything like that. I think in the last year alone, whiskey investments generally, they were like 20% up. Oh, wow. uh, you know, they had a 20% increase. Um, whereas uh, in the last decade, it's been a decade, it's been like over 500%. Um, but having said that, it depends on what you get and what you want it for. Um, you know, you can actually buy casks of whiskey relatively cheap. And um, it depends what you want to do with it. Uh, you can buy it from some distilleries, maybe some of the new ones, for example. Um, they come along uh, or they, they offer casks uh, before they've actually bottled anything. Um, and that's a way of generating a bit of money. And what they'll do is they'll buy the cask back from you in about maybe eight or ten years' time. Uh, so you've got something that's sitting there, and you can either have some bottles from it yourself and then sell the rest of the uh, distillery. Um, but usually those ones, when you do those, you're buying it. You can't, when you bottle it, you have to bottle it under their label. You can't do it like as a, a private label or an independent bottling. Um, uh, or you just sell it back to them, um, as I said. So kind of depends what you want. Some people buy casks for like birthdays for their kids uh, so that when they hit 21, they can open it or do what they want with it. But that comes also with uh, the little warning that you have to pay for taxes. You have to pay for it to be bottled. Um, and usually when you buy a cask when it's really young, it's, it's like a 10-year deal. Uh, so it's all inclusive of rent for the first 10 years. You get samples maybe once every three years or whatever. Um, and then after that, you pay an annual uh, rental fee, uh, if, if that's like sort of a new cask. Uh, so that's that's like one example of what uh, you can get. Then the other one is uh, rare bottles. Um, I think, I can't remember, it wasn't that long ago, about a year and a bit ago. Um, I think there was a 1926 Macallan, and that sold for about one and a half million dollars, US, I think it was. Wow. Um, or maybe it was pounds. Uh, and then the previous like month, there was another one that sold, again, it was another Macallan. Um, it was about 800,000 and something pounds uh, at auction. Um, and that's because it was just one of six bottles that were around. So it's you've got to look at what you got. That's obviously at the top end, and it's very rare. Um, but you do have whiskies that, let's say, you're looking at very old-age vintages. Um, and they're the ones that they're going to keep their value because you can't easily replace something that's 50, 60, or even 70 years old. Um, you know, it's just not there. So it's supply and demand. We are uh, live on Facebook this afternoon. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 and we're chatting with whiskey expert John Rhodes about uh, whiskey as an investment. Uh, John, a couple of questions. How many bottles are there typically in a cask then? Or does it vary from distillery to distillery? Um, Depends on the age. Uh, generally speaking, if you look at American ex-bourbon casks, they hold roughly around about, when they're brand new with new spirit, they're around about 300 and something bottles. Um, uh, but if you get a sherry butt, they can have up to like almost a thousand. Uh, so they're, they're like, in volume terms, they're about twice the size. Uh, but they're also ex- much more expensive. Um, you know, sherry is really good sherry casks are really a little bit more difficult to find and that's reflected in the price. 
so they're like if you're buying one, a good one in the market, they're around about eight or nine hundred euros. Whereas uh, an ex bourbon cask is somewhere around about ten percent of that. Um, so that you know that that kind of thing reflects uh, the, the the price of what you put into it and so on. Yeah, you, you mentioned a really um, good point earlier, and, and that is, you know, you've got to do your homework. Like anything, if you're investing, you've got to do your homework. I mean, in terms of doing your homework, where is a good place to sort of start uh, doing your homework? And and also, where is it? Can you source rare bottles or sort of the rarer bottles? Uh, sourcing bottles, I think. I mean, there's a lot of obviously a lot of stuff goes to auction, but my feeling is by the time it hits auction, you're already too late because there's so many people it's jumping in. It's going to be so expensive in. by then, also. It is. It is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's expensive. Um, uh, but one of the things uh, in terms of sources, this is where your homework comes in. You essentially have to become your own, um, say, expert. You you've got to check things like provenance. Uh, you have to look at all sorts of things. Um, you know, there's there's fakes out there. There's no question about it. I I, I have to admit, I've been stung a couple of times. Um, you know, and I've got a couple. I've got a really nice. Did you get them from reputable sources? Here, and I'm not going to show. <laughs> did you did did you get them from reputable sources? And how did you then eventually realize that they were fakes? It was it they, was at auction. They uh, tasted it was like. At auction. <laughs> um, it's. I didn't look closely enough at the picture, and this was uh, sort of like uh, two, three years ago. Um, and it's like, okay, the you tend to let's say you look at something that's on auction. It's like, oh, that looks nice. Then you start to try and look um, and research it, see where it comes from, where it was bottled, the history of that bottling, and so on and so on. If you're not finding that uh, information terribly easily, or you can find very little about it. That should have been a red flag for me. I could only find one other image, um, but I only found that image when I really started to look for it. I still can't find images. So that was one of them. Um, so that's a little red flag there. Uh, and that was just, you know, that's, again, it's an experience. <laughs> it was like, uh, um, was it an expensive experience? Was it an expensive lesson? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I dare not show this thing because um, it's just an embarrassment. But the fact is that it happened. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not really a particular expert on all of the old whiskies that are out there. It's just, you know, sort of buyer beware. But do your own homework. Mm. Be clear and maybe work up a strategy in terms of like, what do you want to do this for? Um, the other way you can invest in stuff is like, say you're looking at new distilleries. They've only just bottled stuff. Uh, so, for example, uh, Arden Merkin Distillery. Now, Arden Merkin, I think maybe I've mentioned them before, but they actually uh, came about from um, Adelphi, which is an independent bottler. So, purely as an example here. Um, and they sort of have a cult following around the world. So, then they got funding to set up a distillery a, a few years ago. And they started doing their first official actual bottling um, last year. Uh, so they've, they, they're sort of in weird territory um, because their bottlings were sold instantly. Uh, they priced them to sell for, for drinking, but they kind of went into eBay very quickly at, at uh, two or three times the price that it was selling. However, that's settled down a bit. Um, but what you do look for is like, yeah, look for a new distillery, their first ever single malt bottling. And um, if you can, buy two or three bottles. And I just like look out for that and start building your collection I mean, doing a collection like that, it takes time. Uh, so, you know, my, you know, my thinking there is you get them early uh, and you keep on buying them regularly and just keep them to one side. And eventually you'll have a collection over sort of like a period of 15, 20 years. 
where not too many other people are doing the same thing. Um, and it's that's that's when you start to build real value into it. But take a look at the distillery and who they are and their background. Um, there's ones like, uh, say, Port Ellen uh, or Brora. Uh, they're well known amongst the world of collectors because they they're dead distilleries. They closed down in, uh, I think, there was a really nasty crash in the whiskey industry in around about the 1980s. So Port Ellen got closed down. I think Brora is up in the northeast. Port Ellen's on uh, Isla. Um, but they are now going to revive those distilleries. And so they're going to obviously use their, their name uh, for being famous. But at, the new stuff is just it's a new distillery. So um, you could probably start building up from those whenever they start releasing that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of things to sort of like look for. Um, and quite often sometimes like bottles hit popularity, they get into auction or go into the market, they go up to maybe you know, five times, six times what people, or even 10 times, but then they'll, within about maybe six months, they'll go back down in price because suddenly people realize there's actually more bottles than they realize and things like that. So you have to look out for that. Um, you know, just don't, don't get caught up in hype. Uh, so that's another thing to look out for. Yeah, really good advice there. Really important to, well, like you said, right at the beginning, do your homework. Um, I know just now you said, you know, when it goes to auction, it's probably a bit too late because by then a lot more attention and it's going to be expensive. But how can we better understand the auction market just to know the, the value of the bottle that you're, you're, you're getting? I mean, how can you go about that? At, at, attend more auctions, whiskey auctions? Yeah, well, I mean, auctions are quite useful, but what I've noticed nowadays is auctions don't actually tell you the date for the price that you see on the auction. Um, so we, you know, we've bought one or two bottles from, uh, let's say, local auctions in the UK, for example, um, uh, sort of localized, sorry, oh, sorry, not local, over in the UK. Uh, and, um, uh, but then you get uh, like the big names like uh, Bonhams, for example, and Sotheby's uh, and, and so on. Um, and they... They do specialize in their whiskey auctions fairly regularly. Have a look, see what's there. Uh, some of the stuff, like, for example, the Japanese ones, uh, like Yamazaki. Uh, Yamazaki, 50-year-old, um, sorry, 55 years old. It's, I mean, it's like super rare um, it, to get that kind of age for Japanese whiskey, and particularly Yamazaki, which is like seen as the, the number one brand. Mm. Um, that it went for ridiculous money. Uh, you know, I think it was like six million or something, five million dollars, Hong Kong dollars, I think it was. Six million um, Hong Kong dollars. That's like a yeah. that's like a house. I think that was it. Yeah, wow. that, that, that's. I think that was the price. Um, and then the fifty-year-old that the that was issued pre prior to that. Um, I mean, someone offered that to me for about two point four million, wow. and I was thinking, no way. You know, and I don't have that kind of money anyway, but I wish I had because it that then went up in price by about another million within a, a year or something like that. It was just, you know, so it's rarity. A rarity always tops it. Um, and especially if you've got rarity in a very popular brand. Um, and so it's, you just look around and see what's there. But again, it's age. Uh, do look at the brands. Um, and uh, it's, 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 it's not a minefield, but it's, you've got to do your homework and yeah. just be, a, you know, buyer beware uh, and, and things like that. So uh, th there's various ways you can get into it. So rare bottlings, um, people specialize in buying rare casts and then bottling them. Um, and that happens, you know, that was, that was quite a thing. Uh, but now it seems to be a little bit more towards um, cast purchases for people as purely an investment vehicle.
Um, and they are fairly safe. Well, as I said, even the whiskey industry, because it's such a long cycle kind of industry, uh, when it does have a crash, and it, it has a history of you know long cycle uh, boom and bust, um, we're very much in an upswing at the moment, and that's just going to keep going. Uh, it's it's going to be a while before anything changes and stops, uh, or, or there's a crash. And the last time was in the 80s, uh, and I think there was all sorts of nasties going on worldwide economically at that time. So wow. an awful lot of industry uh, distilleries closed down. Um, yeah, so... I've I've heard of various bubbles. I mean, housing bubbles. I've not. I must admit, I've never heard of a whiskey bubble. But um, I, I do want to sort of ask, who buys this stuff? You know, um, having you know, listened to you just now saying, you know, that the Japanese, the bottle of Japanese whiskey, the really rare one that you you talked about just now, went for about five to six million Hong Kong dollars. I think the most expensive whiskey that I've ever seen was about seven thousand Hong Kong. And even then, I was like, whoa, who buys that? stuff um yeah so who, who buys these really expensive bottles of whiskey is is it sort of like art it, like you know you've got art collectors and you've just got whiskey collectors yeah. who yeah. just have shelves of totally. them at home totally totally um well when you get to those kinds of bottles they're definitely not on shelves they're in very carefully humidity and temperature control cabinet because you want to make sure to preserve <laughs> the the taste though that you know in 50 years time when you go on to sell them <laughs> they've not changed yeah yeah uh, I mean, again, it's like when you look at pictures on online auctions, take a look at, like, for example, the fill levels on the neck. Uh, so, you know, some of them are quite low down, and it gives you an idea of how it's been kept, whether it's been well kept or not. Oh, because um, it's evaporated, I mean, some of them, some of the whiskey. Well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, corks do shrink. Uh, they're not like wines where you, you know, the wine has to be in, t in contact with the cork to keep it moist, to keep it sealed. Um, whiskey, obviously, it, it uh, degenerates cork, so you you don't keep them upside down or on their sides. You keep yeah. them upright. Yeah. Um, but if they're kept in a place where it's a really dry atmosphere, it doesn't have to be particularly warm, but if it's dry, that's going to dry out the cork, and then you're going to get evaporation. Uh, so you look out for that sort of thing. Um, uh, you know, And you can tell, like, fill levels on bottles or bare bottles, some of them are quite low, and people still pay the money for it. Um, but then there's also, you know, you have to be, like I said, on the provenance side of things, there's that well-known story about a guy who went to a Swiss hotel and he bought, I think, I can't remember what the Macallan that he bought, um, but it was, I, I think he paid a ridiculous amount for the guy to open the bottle and, and pour a shot. Um, but about a year later, they discovered that it was actually not this 1920s or whatever it was, Macallan, it was... It was still about 45 years old, but it was a 45-year-old blend. Um, and uh, so, you know, even at that level, uh, it, it's because there's just not enough, uh, sometimes there's just not enough information on bottlings about where they came from and, and so on and so on. So, you know, even at the very top level, some experts get caught out, uh, which makes me feel better for my much, much lesser uh, mistakes. <laughs> you know. Very quickly, John, uh, you, you touched on storing it. So if you... if if we do manage to get our hands on, on a special bottle of whiskey, how best to store it? You know, you mentioned just now, not really on your shelves, um, but somewhere that's not so humid. Know, not in your uh, fridge, just keep right? It in a dark, basically, well, if, you, if you're really storing something a little bit worthwhile, um, then you keep it in a dark cupboard. And uh, you can you can also put uh, get a, a special kind of like a, a cling film. It's like a very thick cling, cling film. And that wraps around uh, the neck and it, it protects the what's on the, the foil, you know, on the top of the bottle. It protects that, but it won't stick to it. 
Um, you know, I've, I've seen, I've had to undo from some Japan, very rare, expensive Japanese whiskey. Uh, someone put gaffer tape on it, and the guy wouldn't, oh. you know, we had it for sale and selling it, and he wouldn't buy it until I'd removed the gaffer tape. And it took ages <laughs> as I was doing this. Um, and I was very I had steady to do, I hands. Get it away from him, you know, I said, come back in an hour. <laughs> and I was like that. And I was doing this, tweezing it, tiny bit. And I did break a tiny couple of segments of foil, um, but it was so badly looked after, you know, in that way. Uh, and it was very, very irritating. I was so happy that the, the glue didn't stick to the foil. But it's just things like that. You do get people just put this, the wrong thing on it. Um, they don't yeah, use so gaffer like tape. But if you've got... <laughs> oh, no, this one was black, not so red. <laughs> That's very seasonally festive. Oh, there you go. <laughs> safe and not safe, right? <laughs> Right. Uh, I I think we've got two minutes. Uh, we've got uh, the, the the last um, qu- question, um, and oh, just came into my head, but it, it went out already. Oh, never mind. Don't worry. I, I lost it. I lost my train of thought. Okay. So, <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's it. I'm insuring it. So, do you have to insure your bottles? You know, if you if if you have something that's quite rare, and who will insure well, it? Obviously, we do because you know, we we just opened a new shop, and so we're going through that thing of like we're, we're going to we're putting in a little bit. You know, the location of it is is uh, is, a, is a more sort of expensive location, so we've got some more upmarket whiskies in there. So we've insured that. Um, but I know some collectors here in Hong Kong, and uh, we actually look after some stuff for them, um, put it into our warehouse. Um, but other guys keep it at home. They have wine cabinets, but they also insure it. And if you've got stuff that's like. Yeah, you've got something that's fifty thousand dollars a bottle, and you've got a few of those. It's very much well worthwhile insuring. Yeah. Uh, and if you do have that kind of price of whiskey, then it's also worth getting one of these little. Uh, it's like a wine cabinet kind of thing, just to keep good temperature, good humidity, keep it in the tip-top condition because that's what you would expect when you if you buy from somebody else, you would expect that from them. Um, but it also protects your investment, you know. So if you're doing that. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, John, for this wonderful chat. Uh, whiskey as an investment. Uh, lots to think about. I think the, the main takeaway is really do your homework. Uh, many thanks once again, uh, John, and I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you very much indeed. All right. Cheers, Noreen. Bye.